Hi, and welcome back to Artificial Intelligence, Episode 2, for September 2017. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing, based here in Nashville, Tennessee. My guest today is Rand Hindi of Snips. Rand, say hello. Hi. How's it going, Brad? It's going great, Rand. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm fascinated by you and your company. I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you. Let's just get straight into it. Let's start by, by giving us a, a brief background of yourself. You've got a fascinating background. Share with us some of that. And then also share with us, uh, give us the elevator pitch for SNPs. I was lucky that my parents very soon put me into coding. So I've been coding since I'm 10 years old. Uh, did a first startup when I was 14. It was a social network back in 99. It was quite, a, quite interesting at the time to build websites, by the way. Uh, then had a web agency before, one, before going to London to study computer science, eventually doing a PhD in machine learning applied to biology. And as I was doing this, it kind of struck me that there was a lot of different things you could do with AI. And one thing in particular caught my attention. When you think about what's happening today between men and machines, what you realize is that humans need to learn how to use every machine. What that means is that the more machines you want to use, the more efforts you need to make to use those machines. So the more technology you want to use, the more effort it takes to use technology to a point where everybody currently feels completely saturated. So I think that AI can be a solution to that because it can make all of those machines around us able to communicate with us like we do with other human using language, which is not something you'd have to learn. You know, it doesn't matter how your coffee machine works. If you can just talk it and ask it whatever you want, you don't have to learn to use it. Sure. So when you do that, there's something interesting happens. The first thing, technology becomes easily accessible to everyone. Anybody who can speak can use technology. And the second thing, it becomes so intuitive and easy to use that you completely forget it exists. Basically, you can think of AI as a way to make technology disappear. So that's the vision we have for our company, SNPs. We want to put an AI assistant in every device on the planet to make technology disappear. Rand, that sounds great. Uh, what does that mean for you and SNPs in practice? So this is a vision for a company, right? But what we're offering today as a first product is a voice platform for connected devices. So basically, if you're a maker building on a Raspberry Pi, or if you're a company building like a super advanced device or whatever you're doing really, and you want to put voice in it, we offer the technology to do that. You know, everything from customizable hot words to speech recognition to natural language understanding, the entire stack necessary for your voice assistant and your product we offer. I want to ask you about privacy. Privacy mm -hmm. is a differentiator for SNPs. Um, and it's something that uh, is, is part of your, your overall uh, uh, angle on the market. Talk to me and the audience about the importance of privacy with voice and AI and how SNPs approaches that. What's important to keep in mind when you're talking about voice in particular is that voice is considered to be very personal sensitive data. It is biometric. You can be identified uniquely by your voice and you cannot change it. It's kind of like your fingerprints. You know, you wouldn't really think of sending your fingerprints to people in the cloud, right? So why would you do that with your voice? So for us, privacy was never like a nice to have. It was always part of the equation of building assistance that people can trust. 
And so the way that we're doing this, and something we're really quite proud of because as far as I can tell, we're the only one to be able to do it that way. Instead of processing the voice in the cloud, we're actually doing everything on the device that you're interacting with, that you're speaking to. Meaning that your voice never ever leaves the actual device that you're using. And so that gives you a few very interesting properties. It guarantees privacy by design. Nobody can hear your voice or access your voice data but you. It also means that you have super low latencies because you don't need to go and have all the network access. If you do things in the cloud, the assistant can reply a lot faster. And it also works completely offline. So what that means is that even if you don't have an internet connectivity, maybe it's like your washing machine in your basement in your house or something, your voice assistant will work. That's cool. So what challenges have you run into in implementing your voice assistant that way to where it's all hosted locally on the device versus in the cloud? Uh, can you share perhaps one or two challenges that have presented themselves? It's actually very, very, very hard to kind of like cram down a deep learning, multiple deep learning algorithms and models into the equivalent of like a Raspberry Pi, you know, because we can do this in a Raspberry Pi. Um, the challenges is first the, the size of the size of the models. I mean, when you think about it, you know, deep learning and all of the machine learning tools were built with the assumption that you had infinite power in the clouds. So whenever you try to do this on a few hundreds of megabytes of RAM with like an old 10 year old CPU, this like single core one gigahertz, very quickly what you realize is that it doesn't work. So you need to think about how to build smaller models, right? So the training data, the architecture of your deep nets, all these things are important to optimize, but you also need to rebuild all the tools, right? Things like TensorFlow did not run on a Raspberry Pi. You know, we had to like find ways to tweak it so that it could run on it. So the challenge is both on the machine learning side to build small models that still have the power and performance of much bigger networks and an engineering challenge where you gotta cram this down, try to like squeeze in every single computation that you can so that it can fit on the smallest hardware possible. Let me ask you something that sort of intrigues me about you yourself and you alluded to it earlier. Um, you started coding at 10, am I right? Yep. That's right. And um, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile now. Founded a social network at 14, web agency at 15, started your PhD at 21, Forbes 30 under 30. You're, uh, you've been pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been lucky that my parents put me into that at a, at a young age. I mean, I'm 32 today. If you've been coding for 22 years, you know, I mean, you've done stuff, right? It's just I've had a lot of time to do stuff. Do you advocate for youth following a similar path that you have uh, in, in learning to code at such an early age and getting headfirst into technology? Or do you advocate, you know, given that you've been doing this for 20 years now, for a different path? Share with me some uh, of your personal background and, and uh, if you would do things the same way or, or, or what you tell kids that you deal with. It's actually quite interesting because my view on that has changed quite a bit over the past couple of years. I used to believe that everybody should learn to code at a young age, at least everybody who was interested in science, right? Just like you learn mathematics, you should learn basics of coding. 
because that gives you computer literacy. You understand the world around you, which is more and more computer-based. But the more I think about it, the more I feel that actual coding isn't as interesting as designing software. So basically, the coding piece is really going to become simpler and simpler, maybe even automated. But conceptualizing the software, figuring out how you're going to use it, figuring out what it does, figuring out the architecture, so the kind of like systems thinking of software development, I think is really where it's interesting. And so rather than teach people how to code, you should teach people how to build software, even if that means not coding anymore. Yeah, no, it's fascinating to hear you say that. And uh, I completely agree with you. I think um, there's way too much emphasis on coding right now, just to be frank. Um, and with some of the shows that we do with Voice First FM, you know, This Week in Voice and uh, this show, Artificial Intelligence, and, and some of our others, it's clear that liberal arts backgrounds are becoming more and more important in this space um, to designing, you know, you, you, you still need people with technical skills, don't get me wrong, and you need people who have gotten their hands dirty, but um, it's a much more diverse group of talent that seems like voice technology and machine learning and AI needs. So it's, it's interesting to hear you answer that question. No, I 100% agree. I think as, as we're progressing with AI, we're realizing that we want to make it more and more human. And so, you know, things like character designer, right? What personality you want to build into your voice assistant? Things such as ethics, you know, sociology, all of these things are coming back into play because we want to make sure that if we live in a world where humans and machines coexist, well, that it kind of doesn't suck, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> that's the bottom line. Yeah, you're right. Let me, uh, let me shift gears and ask you, uh, since yesterday we uh, witnessed Amazon just absolutely unload on the marketplace uh, in the event that they did yesterday with numerous new hardware devices um, and a lot of uh, interesting revelations from your standpoint and what SNPs is doing and your background, what, what caught your eye in this deluge of stuff that Amazon gave us yesterday? What, if anything, caught your eye? And uh, give me your perspective on Amazon's approach specifically toward this market. I mean, we definitely have to thank Amazon for having revived the voice market. I mean, voice isn't new, right? People have been thinking about this for years and years and years. All the concepts of voice interfaces have been theorized and taught of since the 50s, but it never really worked, right? Amazon was the first company that used modern voice technology and put that into a consumer product that, was, that had an experience that was very you know, nice, essentially. So I think we can thank them for that. Without, without the Amazon Echo, the whole voice uh, ecosystem today wouldn't be that big. Sure. Uh, having said that, Amazon has a different motive than other companies might. The, the goal of Amazon is to be the platform you're computing on. Amazon doesn't have a mobile operating system, when you, when you, you know, if you remember, right? So capturing the voice platform on top of which everybody's gonna be doing transactions, buying stuff, gives them a very, very unique position compared to Apple or Google or not as uh, uh, um, diffused as, as the Amazon Echo might be, as Alexa might be. So I think that's a very, very different thing than, let's say, uh, a car company who wants to put a voice assistant in the car, in which case the assistant is a lot more verticalized, 
to the actual device and product, whereas Amazon really has this platform that it sees as you know the way to intermediate every single business you're gonna want to access by voice and yourself. I think this is really sort of like you know the end game is everything you're gonna ask to a voice assistant you should ask through Alexa. And so what we've seen yesterday is one step forward in the strategy of creating as many touch points as possible and as many commodity things as possible, all funneled through one consumer experience, which is the Alexa voice assistant. So what we do at SNPs is a bit different, right? What we do at SNPs is we sell a white label voice technology. We don't actually put a Hey SNPs in every one of our customers' devices. They can pick whatever they want as a name. They can pick whatever they want as you know, different parameters and functionalities. We're really, really a lot more focused on, here's a company, they want a voice assistant for their coffee machine, their TV, their car, their whatever. We're gonna sell the technology to do that. Um, so it's kind of like a different position. It's same, same type of technology, while well, they're in the cloud run device, but very different business positioning. Well, sure, and, uh, and I do think that Amazon you know, spamming the marketplace almost with different types of hardware can't do anything but help a company like yours. Because uh, like, for example, the Echo Buttons, did you see the Echo Buttons? They kind of got made fun of. Did you see, did you happen yeah. to see that? Um, I don't think they should be made fun of at all. I think somebody creative will find something interesting to do with those, but I digress. The more that Amazon, you know, mainstream hardware gets out there, I think the more it just educates different little pockets of the marketplace. And uh, the more and more and more the marketplace gets educated, the more customers uh, are going to be looking for something like what you're doing, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that Alexa doesn't cut it and they don't want that mainstream option. They need something more custom. Uh, something more private exactly it's, it's it's a different you know it's a different positioning i think companies who work with us also work with alexa very often but for different purposes for different parts of the product what we guarantee is privacy by design compliance with the upcoming you know european regulation on privacy which is a major deal by the way we haven't talked about it but this is a major deal for ai uh, we offer offline capabilities uh, and importantly, we give you complete control over the experience and the data and everything from your user, right? So what we see a lot happening are hybrid systems where you might do an integration with the Alexa ecosystem, so maybe a skill or something like that for your coffee machine, but you will still want your coffee machine to be voice controlled without any Amazon device in your house, mm -hmm. right? And I think this is a paradigm that we see a lot. So I don't consider myself to be competing with Amazon. You know, I'm considering myself to be competing with their cloud services for voice. Well, sorry, not with Alexa, but with their cloud services for voice. See that? Sure. Sense. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, very interesting. So I guess uh, my last question for you, Rand, is. Uh, I want to ask you just sort of in general, you've, you've got a fascinating perspective as we've talked about. Uh, you, you sort of have been immersed in technology from a very young age. Where do you see, um, paint me a picture of where you think we'll be with voice and AI in three or four years time and where you hope your company fits into that? It's quite interesting, right? There are multiple scenarios you can think of. But I'm an optimist. 
And so that way I imagine technology is, and the voice in particular, is as an interface that doesn't replace necessarily buttons and screens, but makes it a lot easier and intuitive to use those interfaces that we already have, right? So I don't think that in four years, screens will disappear or mobile phones will disappear or physical buttons to turn off your lights will disappear. I think those will still exist. But voice will also be there in all of those cases so that you wouldn't have to figure out or learn or make any kind of effort to use those different devices. So my, my, what excites me about voice is the, is the, ubiquitous, the ubiquitous of the technology. The fact that you can apply it as much to your lights as you can to your you know, meeting room, as you can to your TV or you know, to your smartphone. Um, and so as a company, quite frankly, my objective is really simple. We want to be the only company people are going to whenever they want to put a voice assistant in their device and doing this without an internet connectivity and respecting privacy. Cool. Well, it's, it sounds like you're well on your way. You're, you're, everything about what you're doing is so impressive. You yourself are very impressive. Thank you very much for setting your time aside to chat with me today. Thanks for your interview. It was great. For Artificial Intelligence, Episode 2, thank you for listening. And until next time.